buying behavior has changed. Prospects don't click on links and emails anymore, and they don't watch the videos you spend hours creating every week. Instead, send personalized gifts and memes using Vidyu. You can quickly create engaging, personalized content that immediately grabs your prospect's attention, helps you stand out in the inbox, and does it all without forcing them to click anything or go anywhere. Head over to vidyou.io slash salescast to sign up for free and spend less time getting your messages across and more time selling. Welcome to The Sales Hustle, the only no BS podcast where we bring you the real, raw, uncut experiences from sales change makers across various industries. The only place where you can get what you're looking for to up your sales game. Today's episode is brought to you by SalesCast. SalesCast helps sales professionals transform the relationship building process and win their dream clients. I'm your host, Colin Mitchell. What is happening, sales hustlers? Welcome to another episode. Today, I've got a special guest for you. We're going to be talking with Richard Smith, joining us from the UK. He is the VP of sales and co-founder of Refract, passionate about building outbound sales teams, coaching reps to sales excellence and craft beer. Richard, welcome to the show. Thanks, Colin. And uh, yeah, I'm not sure if they were in order of priority, but probably the last one should have been first. <laughs> All right, let's tr- let's do it again. No, just kidding. <laughs> um, all right, awesome, man. I, I think I, I came across some awesome content that you posted on LinkedIn. Said, got to get Richard on here and drop some knowledge bombs for for our sales hustlers. So, welcome to the show. Glad to have you on here. And and just you know, we like to start these out pretty much the same. Uh, give us the short version, and I say short version because sometimes it's hard to get salespeople to shut up, um, of your sales story. Short version, um, nothing too exciting and, and unique. Uh, one of these people who left uh, university um, with a terrible degree in computer science, realized I was terrible at programming, coding, was never going to make it as never, not smart enough to do that, quite frankly. Um, wondered what the hell am I going to do? Uh, landed in sales as an SDR. It wasn't called an SDR back then. It was a it was a, a business development executive, um, but it was essentially <clears throat> essentially doing the role of an SDR. Um, yeah. Kind of muddled my way through that for the best part of two years. Um, slightly progressed through the company, which was a SaaS business I was working uh, working with back then. Um, doing small deals, you know, moved into more enterprise deals. Uh, and so, you know, that company got acquired and then that led me to, uh, starting up Refract, which is the company that uh, I'm with, uh, with now, um, where, you know, really built the company from the ground up, uh, run the sales team here as VP of sales. We were acquired, uh, as a business at the end of last year by a company called Allego, which was awesome. Um, uh, you know, we'd gone from zero to, to, you know, 25 employees and, um and yeah just continuing the growth now and um yeah excited to to talk about some some cool topics today yeah that's awesome all right well thanks for giving us that insight there and so i know that you're really passionate about cold calling you're really passionate about um you know to be a better closer you need to be a better opener so why don't you tell me a little bit more about that 
Yeah, let's focus on the second one there. Um, <laughs> I think I, in my line of work, we I speak and sell to sales leaders every day. My team do. It's kind of it's who we sell to, sales leaders, CROs, VPs. Um, <clears throat> and it's interesting. We sell a product which is all about mm-hmm. having better sales conversations to senior sales leaders. So it's like, we've got no hiding place. If me and my sales team are shit at what we do, you know, we can get called out quite quite quickly. We almost lose credibility. Our product can lose credibility quite quite quickly in that regard. Um, mm. But it is very interesting because, you know, you do get a lot of perspectives from sales leaders as you, as you, as you speak with them. Um, and, you know, the, what, I, what I tend to find is some of the things that, you know, they, they share quite, in some cases, they, they do share quite a lot of what you might call private stuff about their team. Like they give us the, the, the rundown on team performance, on, you know, who's who's not performing, who their top performers are. They talk about the pressures that they're facing in their world. You know, they tell us that if they're, you know, not going to turn around results in the next two quarters, they might, they're, they're next on the line. It is quite a, you know, interesting conversation mm-hmm. that you can have. Um, and what, one thing that kind of, it frustrates me is I asked them about so you know get, tell me a little bit about what it is that you feel your sales team are struggling with right now as as it pertains to your sales process and one thing I constantly hear is are we we're just not very good at closing deals I can't mm. say okay tell me tell me more about that it says are we just you know we're we're really good at getting things to the point of closure and but we we're just we're just lacking closing skills in the team it's one thing I'm working on is closing skills um. And I guess this this kind of bemuses me because in my yeah. entire career in sales, the close has always been for me the easiest part. I, I'm like, if I do everything right at the front end of the process, the close, actually, you don't need any skills to close. Often, you know, when you've done the right thing, you, you, yeah. what, what happens? When the, you say do the right, yeah. When you say do the right thing, what do you mean? Um, Think about, doing the right thing of qualification are we speaking to the right prospects yeah. in the first place um once we've got the right prospects that we know we can be successful the ones that we can help um do we do we do good discovery um discovery being right. the hardest part of the sales process bar none um you can put that in front of prospecting and everything else that people say is the the hardest thing about sales Good discovery is like, how can you get this prospect who's dead precious with time, who's being sold to by lots of people, getting them from a point of, hey, I'm quite happy with how I'm doing right now, to actually mm-hmm. I need to, I need to change. I've got urgency to, to change what I'm doing. Maybe in the space of 30 minutes, that's hard. Um, but once you do that, everything else should just feel easy because your you yeah. know your product matches their pain points. You know they they're motivated to bring other stakeholders into the conversation. If they don't have budget budget, they'll go and find it because they've you've you've done a good enough job of finding out the the cost of them not changing to the point that when you get to the close, you don't even have to ask for the close. The the sale the, the prospect says, "What happens next? Send me over the contract. Yeah. Let's move forward." You don't need right. skills to close. You need skills to open. So if you're opening and doing your discovery properly, being thorough, qualifying doing all of those things right, like you mentioned, the prospect kind of closes themselves if you've done your job well. And why, it's, it's kind of baffling that sales leaders think that the, the biggest thing that they need help with is closing. Why, why do they not realize that like, the reason we're not closing these deals is because they should have never fucking made it to the pipeline in the first place. Right. I think you said it perfectly there, Colin. I think 
I think part of it is some of the kind of old adages and sort of nonsense phrases that still kick about in sales, like, you know, um, coffee is for closers and sales is like closers. And, and even <laughs> even at the point that we're describing our account executives as closers, hey, I've got my closing mm. team. Like, by, by, by yeah. saying that, you're basically saying, here, my account executive is going to swoop in and they're going to close the deal. They're going to use their witchcraft. They're going to use their kind of clever sort of closing techniques and we're going to, we're going to get pen to paper. It's utter bullshit. Yeah, yeah. And, 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 and the AE, a.k.a. closer, can't close if it wasn't opened properly. <laughs> right, exactly. Um, and, you know, I think if you... if a, Sometimes I do get them to that place where they realize that it's actually not about having these like magical skills and you say these words and you you ask these clever questions and suddenly the prospect can't do anything but say yes let sign me up because uh, that just doesn't happen um you know i asked them like hey if you look in your crm right now you see all these deals right mm-hmm. and you know what's the number one reason you're losing deals it's no decision essentially it's not because you're losing against the competition it's not because of budgets it's it's due to the prospect being totally happy with their current state you know that the the the, right. the 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 thought of them changing the cost of change the motivation that they don't not... see the value in the in changing right exactly um the reason they don't see the value the reason that they haven't closed as a deal is because not because we weren't good at closing them it's because actually we didn't do a good enough job at the front end of the sales process we didn't open the sales process effectively enough so everything else was a waste of time afterwards mm. yeah i mean it's clear if anybody if anybody looks into the you know deals lost that the biggest reason deals don't close is because of they just stick no change at all they're just going to stick with what they currently have they don't see the problem that you think you solve as, as a big enough problem worth solving, um, or you didn't do a good enough job helping them see the problem or dig deep enough into the problem or quantifying the problem. Right, exactly. Um, so it kind of brings me to my point of like, well, how do you improve that? Well, you, you basically spend time practicing, analyzing, mastering discovery, because if you can get your salespeople to do better qualification, do better discovery, your win rates change exponentially. Um, but I'd see too many te- too many companies who aren't doing that. They're just kind of like, hey, if we stick enough leads in the top of the funnel, um, you know, sure enough, we'll, we'll close some deals off the back of it. Mm. So what are some, what are some key things that you see? I mean, you probably hear tons, see tons of data on calls and qualification right. and discovery and what are some of the big things that you see where people are making a lot of common mistakes and what are the actionable things to fix those? Yeah, good question. So what we tend to see is a lot of um, what I call like the kind of the confusion between qualification discovery, two very different things like qualification is where a lot of reps get stuck at like, hey, are you, how big's your team? How many reps? You know, what do you use right now? It's kind of like, I almost frame the it discovery as discovery like, interrogation. <laughs> right. But it's almost like the situation. It's like questions to say, Hey, do you, do you make, do you make a good profile of prospect for us? And it feels like once mm. they get the yeses to those questions, it's like, right, let me show you my product because you, you, you're going to like this because you fit the profile of prospect that we, that, that, uh, that we enjoy selling to. But that's the problem. Is like that's not enough. 
you've got to go lower than that. And I, I call it like um, that's the, the discovery is understanding. Okay, let's discover um, what is their current process. What are the gaps in that process? What's the impact of those uh, of 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 that of that problem? If we, uh, what's the impact of not solving it? What does it mean for the prospect if we did solve it? If we fast forward 12 months from now, what does that kind of future vision and personal motivation look like? That's good discovery, and that's what gets people to yeah. realize, like, hey, this is worth changing for. So I'd say that's the first one is just like, you know, people people confusing qualification with, for discovery, and therefore they don't, they don't do good discovery. Um, second is I that, would almost argue, yeah, sorry. I would almost argue that some of the yeah, I would almost argue some of those things don't even matter, like. You know, some of those things that people are having their process is like, hey, you meet this criteria right. of our persona. Like a lot of that shit doesn't matter. If they have a problem that's big enough and you do a good job of, you know, helping them see that and see the value in solving that or the impact of not solving that, whether they fit that mold or not doesn't even matter. Right. Yeah, I to- totally agree. Um, and I think. You know, we spend a lot of time in discovery of like, like, hey, we need to spend lots of time doing small talk on our discovery calls. It's like, mm. it's it's just it's not 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 necessary. Like, if you've got a, if you've got thirty minutes with a busy VP or C CRO, you've got thirty minutes in their calendar. You better make the most of that time. And if you end up spending yeah. fifty minutes talking about the weather, COVID, what the what what the favorite sports team is. You're left with 15 minutes to move the needle to get them motivated to want to talk to you again. That's you don't leave yourself a lot of time. Is like I see too many people confusing small talk with building rapport. Rapport is not yeah. built by small talk. Rapport is built by asking great questions, making the prospect feel like you understand their world, that you're an expert in what you do, and that you know there's you're someone that they want to spend more time talking to. Boom. All right. I love that. Sales hustlers, if you're listening, go ahead and just hit the rewind button and listen to that one more time because building rapport is not about small talk and their sports team and their kids' baseball game and the pictures on their wall or whatever you can see in the Zoom background. It's about positioning yourself as, a, as an expert to help them you know, solve a problem, a real problem that they have and even challenging them and making th- them think about or consider something that they might not have otherwise and asking some questions that every other person in your space they're talking to is not asking. Right. Right. I, I, I have a sneaking suspicion that you're a, you're, you're a gap selling fan. I, I like gap selling. I've, I've I've got the book. I've read it. Um, and yeah, I, I kind of I, I'd say I take a lot of the principles of that of that methodology are ones that I believe in. I wouldn't say that I sell to any particular methodology. I just kind of one that I've yeah. crafted myself, taken inspiration from lots of different um, sources. But but yeah, I, I'm very much big believer in like the premise of gap selling. Of um, hey, it's 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 about understanding like what is what is their current state and what is what is what would motivate them to move away from that um the the other things that we typically see calling in just the the mistakes that i i see is um you can boil it down to active listening in calls mm. um you know we see tons of data about how much sales reps are talking on calls versus prospects which is useful but it doesn't always tell the full story what 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 tells the full story is if you actually to listen to those conversations that they're having 
is the amount mm-hmm. of what I describe as a moat of nuggets that get dropped in by prospects and sales calls that salespeople never pick up on. I'll give you a great example mm. of this. Like, hey, you're on a sales call. The salesperson, they're kind of heading the call. They're taking notes. They ask a question. The prospect says, and like, yeah, that can be a challenge for us. And the salesperson just moves on to the next question. They don't. They don't. They haven't picked up the emotive nugget of the word challenge. It's like, hey, that is where the opportunity lies. Is just what the prospect yeah. has said just then, but you've missed it, or you may not have missed it. You've heard the word challenge, and you think, oh, cool, they've got a challenge. Right, let's get them to a demo or whatever. They- whatever your next step is. <laughs> Check the box and move on. Yeah, that's right. like a huge opportunity to go deeper. Tell me more about that. Why is the challenge? You know, what happens if you don't fix that problem? Oh, I might lose my job. Okay, well, right. solving that problem is important. <laughs> and prospects rarely tell you the truth, like the the full picture first time around. Like, you know, I I was on a call and I said to a prospect, "Hey, why are we talking today?" And they said, "Oh, hey, we're we're wanting to we're wanting to um, make enhancements in our sales process." Okay, when you say enhancements, what do you mean by that? Oh, we're just looking at ways that we can improve our conversion ratios. Okay, improve mm-hmm. conversion ratios. So it sounds like you're not happy with your current conversion ratios. Uh, not, 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 not where they like where we'd like them to be. Okay, so where we, where are they now, and where would you like them to be? You start from someone saying we want to enhance our sales process to getting them to a point where they're telling you, hey, we're like we're missing out on the number big style, but oftentimes you have to go deep. You can't just take what they tell you yeah. first time around because prospects will rarely tell you the truth first time around. Mm. Mm. Yeah. You got to, you got to dig deeper. You got to work for it. It's not easy. It's not easy at all. Yeah. And this is what I, this is what I was talking about. Like, Hey, um, this is why this is the, for me, the hardest part of the sales process is discovery. Um, because the, you have to practice it. Active listening is insanely hard to master because, you know, salespeople, one, we generally like to talk. Secondly, we have to be super focused on specifically what our prospects are saying when we are thinking about what we want to say or ask next. Um, Mm. And I think this is where not enough people are spending time practicing discovery, like literally how many sales, how many hustlers out there that listen to this podcast, how many of them are every week role-playing with a colleague, hey, let's practice a discovery call, one that I had last week or one that I've got coming up, and let's try and improve some of these skills. I bet you hardly anybody's doing it. Why not? Mm. Uh, That's a great question. So sales hustlers, if you're not doing that, now's the time to start. I mean, it's, it's a great opportunity to learn to get better because discovery or opening or qualifying, you know, these are all in the beginning stages of the sales process and those need to be mastered so that the close isn't so difficult or so that you can disqualify and right. and, and not have a bunch of crap in your pipeline. And and so and and something that you said Richard that's so important is active listening skills. You know, I think that a lot of sellers are looking for that silver bullet or that perfect playbook or those perfect, you know, one-liners or rebuttals or scripts or whatever the case is. And, and, and I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with those things. Those are necessary to like, you know, have some knowledge, but these conversations are just way too dynamic. You can't be paying attention of what you're supposed to say or what you're supposed to ask next, because that's when you miss those opportunities to go deeper in your questioning or ask more or get to the bottom of what your prospect is telling rather than just taking what they're saying for face value. 
Yeah, I've lost count. Like, I mean, we, I mean, at Refract, what we do every Friday morning um, as a team is we all normally we do this in person, but last year we've all been doing this on Zoom. Um, we go in and we pull out a discovery call or two that's taken place that week from one of the team. Sometimes it's my own. Like, I get my own calls, like, listen to. And we will sit as a team and we will play this call out. And it is amazing of the amount of things that the account executive who was on that call, the amount of times things they hear that they didn't hear first time around. Mm. And as a team, we go through and say, right, we stop and start the tape and we say, hey, Mark, what what did you hear just there? Well, Stuart, any 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 additional perspectives? And the amount of times the account executive who was involved in the call says, geez, I totally missed that. Man, mm. I cannot believe I did not hear the prospect say that. Like, I feel like... And oftentimes, if they, the, the call has ended in a specific way, like maybe it didn't turn out the way they wanted the, the call to turn out, but they say, I honestly believe if, if I'd heard that on the call, and if I'd asked, like, asked this question, that call, we, we would have had a very different outcome. These are, these are like critical mm. moments that happen in sales conversations, um, and I don't think people often appreciate that, that these are highly specific things that can happen, which can completely influence the um, the outcome of a deal. Right, right. And sometimes it's got a sting for you to learn, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, if it's a big opportunity and you just totally miss the mark, sometimes that's you know a good way to learn, hey, next time that scenario comes up. I'm not going to miss that. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, we um, we've all made tons of mistakes in our sales careers. We've all lost deals that we should have won. Um, but if we're not learning from them, then we're just kind of in blissful ignorance and just forever. We're, we're probably we're probably never ever improving our win rates, improving our you know earning potential. Um, we're just probably staying quite flat. Um, it's those people who are. Um, well, the act as professions, professionals, right? We, we keep on talking about sales as a profession. If you look at what mm-hmm. most professionals do in any line of work or sport or hobby, is they are constantly reviewing what they did and self-analyzing and self-critiquing and getting coaching. And, you know, this is what, this is what being a professional is all about. Um, and which leads me to, you know, I, I, one, of the, the, one of the biggest reasons people don't buy from Refract um, and quite frankly pisses me off is hey my my team wouldn't respond well to this my my team wouldn't respond well to have their calls analyzed and listened to they wouldn't like that these are experienced people you know they've been doing this job for 30 years wow. they, they, and um yeah that's mind blowing that's yeah, mind blowing it, it is but that's the reality and that's that's why sales i think is one of the reasons sales has a bad sort of name is that you know we 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 call it a profession yet we we seem to have this vision that oh, just because you've been doing the job for 30 years means that you're at the top of your game that you can't get better in like just look at any sports person the top the top sportsman in the world none of them have that mentality um, they're not sh- they're not going to not show up for practice because they've been doing it a while yeah um <laughs> so so yeah um it's it's about do you want to treat the profession as a profession it's, it's what pays the bills at the end of the day um, do you want to get better at what you do? Do you want to earn more money? Well, you got to practice. You got to self-analyze. You got to you got to un- listen to what your colleagues are doing, who are doing things better than you are. Um, otherwise, you know, be prepared to stay flat and hit the ceiling. 
Yeah. Yeah. Hey, Richard, it was a pleasure having you on. Uh, really enjoyed this conversation. I'm sure the sales hustlers got a ton of value. Uh, you have a book. You want to tell folks about the book, anything else that we can include in the show notes for them or any final thoughts? Yes, the book. Um, so last, uh, about, about this time last year, in fact, Colin, um, me and a couple of my colleagues, Mark and Stu, um, we decided to uh, do some online sort of boot camps, which was basically us helping the sales community out. You know, a lot of people had been sent to work from home overnight because of the um, the pandemic. Uh, a lot of young folks who were starting off in sales and as SDRs who were suddenly found themselves working in their spare bedrooms, cut off from their team and not really having a clue what, what to do, to be honest. So we did, did these boot camps, which was basically us sharing everything that we learned when it comes to, it comes to prospecting over the years, everything, you know, mm-hmm. cold calling, cold emails, you, you name it. Uh, we had an amazing response to that, uh, to those boot camps. Uh, had, you know, literally hundreds upon hundreds of people turning up to these things week after week. So then we had this crazy idea of like, hey, should we actually write a book on this stuff? Um, which uh, really felt like a bit of a pipe dream then because I was like, yeah, only kind of like, you know, clever, uh, important people become book authors. <laughs> but anyway, we, 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 we did it, you know, with weekends and evenings we spent writing this book and um, we launched it in December last year. It's called Problem Prospecting. It's kind of play on words. It's for those people who have a problem with prospecting and they struggle with it. But the whole theme through the book is about um, leading with a problem first uh, mentality and prospecting. And it's designed to be highly tactical. So every chapter is like full of like cold call scripts, cold email uh, templates, LinkedIn voice message scripts, building a brand on LinkedIn. It's almost like your little handbook that you can use by your side every single day. Um, so yeah, if you go to www.problemprospecting.com, it will take you straight to the Amazon uh, page where you can buy a copy or just search for it in, in Amazon. And um, yeah, but if you want to, aside from that, if you want to connect with me, um, uh, you know, just, just, just look me up on LinkedIn, Richard Smith Refract and uh, yeah, post some content about sales quite frequently there and happy to connect with any anybody listening to this. Awesome. Thanks again, Richard. We will drop the link for your LinkedIn profile in the show notes for you sales hustlers, as well as the link to problem prospecting. If you enjoyed today's episode, please share it with a friend, write us a review. And as always, we're listening for your feedback. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Sales Hustle. Are you a sales professional looking to take your sales career to the next level? If the answer is yes, then I want you to go over to salescast.co. Check us out. And if you feel that you are ready, set up a time to talk with me and my co-founder, Chris. I'm your host, Colin Mitchell. And if you enjoyed this episode, feel free to leave us a review and share the podcast with your friends.